nearly time for us to turn our attentions to Russia as the World Cup 2018 is set to begin. This is the Odds Checker preview podcast. This time in a week, we'll just be getting over that dramatic 1-0 victory for Russia over Saudi Arabia, which we all cannot wait for. I'm joined by three expert guests. To my left, I have Joe Bruin from 442. Great to have you here, Joe. Hello, nice to be here. And we've got uh, Ben McAleer from Who Scored uh, as well. Hi there, great to be here. And a rivals who scored in 4-4-2 in some respects. I hope you guys don't start fighting across the table oh, at all. Lean across. And, <laughs> and, uh, and Sandro de Michele, he sounds like a terrible Argentinian centre-back, but he's actually the PR man from Skybet. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I'm also a terrible um, English central midfielder, if that's any consolation. And you're not going to put out any rivals for me? No, no. Are you? no I've already thrown them off. Well, I mean, you're our older brother, I guess, as you kind of say. So we're rivals in that respect. Um, let's get straight into it. Firstly, before we go into the tips and going through what's going to happen in the World Cup, I want to speak to you all about what listeners and viewers can can expect from all you guys. And coming to you first, Andrew, I mean, what people who bet with Skybet, what can they expect to see that's new uh, on, on site? People who don't bet with Skybet, why should they ahead of this World Cup? So I'll get the sales pitch out of the way first, yeah. purely to justify the train fare <laughs> down from Leeds. Um, we've got a great offer, money back if your team get knocked out of the tournament as a free bet. So have a bet on the outright up to £10. If your team get knocked out, you get it back as a free bet. So that's proving very, very popular. Um, That's the sales pattern out of the way. What to expect? Um, A huge array of markets. Um, Naturally, the the industry shifts towards requester bets and backing single-game accumulators is going to prove extremely popular. Um, Our traders are trying in some VAR-related markets. No doubt. A topic of conversation at various points (laughs) this evening. Um, that could Is there be, a dubious bet panel if you get it? You know? well, that, that, yeah, that, it could turn out to be a bit of a customer service. Six months after the World Cup's over. <laughs> yeah, it could be a customer services nightmare, this. Um, and interestingly, we're starting to do a lot more markets around Opta-based stats, which, which are proving very popular, sort of individual player performances, shots, etc., and also team-related stuff. And I think the thing that's nice about those is Opta are a very trusted, um, reliable third-party source that, you, that, that people respect. So, so they're going to be interesting. I think those would be probably the real kind of growth areas. But as you can imagine, a tournament of this size, that basically any single market that has been priced up or could be priced up has been priced up by our traders. It's interesting that you mentioned your, your offer because Skybet are best price on the four outsiders, Tunisia, Iran, Panama or Saudi Arabia. So if you are going to back those guys, you can do it for free, basically, because you can get your tenner back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, I think there, there was a bit of a sort of a theory from um, some people in our marketing team that, you know, you're, you're going to work out, you're going to go on this voyage of discovery, you're going to find out who your second team is, um, and then you're going to end up having a throwaway bet on, on an outsider because you, you get your stake back anyway. Interestingly, though... Um, We've seen a lot of money for the usual suspects, yeah. as you would expect <laughs> at a tournament like the World Cup. Uh, you mentioned Opta as well, which is a nice segue into, into Who Scored. I mean, anyone who doesn't know about Who Scored, it's an unbelievable database of, of, you know, of football stats, um, individual player stats. If you want to find out about a player, I can't recommend looking at Who Scored more. Um, and an unbelievable match engine to boot as well. Um, so is it more of the same, Ben, basically just looking providing the best kind of statistical analysis of the World Cup. Yeah, we'll be um, covering every game in depth with full coverage from Opta. Uh, We already have our uh, pre-EMAG available for download, so that's free to go. Uh, We've got the articles building up to it, but yeah, we'll basically cover every game. We'll have the ratings, I'll have all the stats as well. And if you are going to, you know, Sandro mentioned the requester bets and the player-related bets, presumably you guys are a pretty good source to find out stuff like, you know, who's shooting from outside the area and and all that stuff. Yeah, we um, obviously we have, there's the, 
the ones that are on the site available and then you can just trawl through it for days and get lost. Uh, there are some things I'm still finding. I've been there for over five years now. So there's hidden gems in there that's definitely worth looking into. And, and Joe, any football fan, I think, is, is fully aware of, of what 442 and the amazing content you guys have been doing for so long. Presumably, it's business as usual, churning out just great stuff throughout the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the new issue of the magazine has uh, just been released, which is about the World Cup stars. Online, we've got our World Cup Wonderland Hub, which is kind of a, a haven of interview stories from, from yesteryear, as well as the, the kind of more modern features that we, we have every single day on the site. Anyone, yeah, I mean, I was going to say anyone who, who, who hasn't seen on our site both 442 and Who's Called have done some really, really good preview stuff as well. Yeah, I think today we did the, the better than the three and the 23s to look out for. Um, so there'll be, you know, Gabriel Jesus, one of the players involved in there. Someone who can basically do no wrong at the moment, whoever he's playing for the whole country. So this one's a big one for him. Absolutely. Right, time to get into the betting now. And we're going to start where we always should start at the beginning. And before we look at the more general markets and the group betting, it's easy to forget that we've got a lot of football, a lot of football matches coming up um, as soon as the tournament starts. Three games a day starting from Friday. Looking at that first round of fixtures, looking at the the first group of games, in the match betting, Sandra, where where do you think there's, there's going to be value? I've, I mean, I've looked through the prices. Generally, the market is, is unbelievably accurate. So I'm not saying like I'm sitting on the fence here, right? <laughs> and I, there, are, there are masses of bets to be had. I'm going to go for a slightly different take, and I've sort of touched on VAR. I think VAR could cause absolute havoc in the opening sort of round of, of fixtures. Not, not all the way through the group stage, but I think maybe the first three or four days. Um, and I think there's a couple of angles to probably get with. I think, I think if you finding a way of penalties being awarded in a game I think could be a nice way to go Um, I think red cards being awarded could be another interesting angle and I also think and these are the sorts of markets that will probably be priced up a day or two before Um, but something around if if firms are betting on injury time and and minutes of injury time awarded in in first and and predominantly second half games I think if you could find a way of maybe you know multiplying up a few across a few games I think um, there, there could be some quite interesting stuff that would be sort of as a slightly more quirkier angle but I, yeah. I just I just cashing in on the chaos yeah absolutely I, I think it's a real sort of unknown quantity we've seen it work to limited success in some countries and I think the biggest challenge in all of it is there's so much uncertainty and nobody really knows um, exactly what's happening a lot of the time in the stadium and that filters through to, to fans in the stadium that filters through to us watching on TV but that also impacts traders mm. trying to price these markets up and I think there could be some opportunities to be had there it's interestingly trying to translate that into something early on for, the, for listeners and viewers uh, Russia, Saudi Arabia our opener 3-1 to one, go paddies and ball sports there'll be a penalty in that game so maybe if there's going to be early controversy that, that could be something to make the most of yeah I think so I think I, I mean there's a, Obviously, being half Italian, I love a conspiracy theory. And, <laughs> you know, and, um, but I do also think Russia, I think it's in everybody's interests, specifically FIFA's, um, that maybe Russia get, get on the right side of a few decisions. As, as we've seen in, in other tournaments as well, you know, that tournaments benefit from having the host nation do, re- do well, at least get out of the group stage. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if 
if there, if there were a couple of refing decisions that may be questionable, they go in the favour of the host, which that, I don't think there's anything particularly controversial in that. Well, I, I just hope you're going to see the beginning of the World Cup and you're not going to be poisoned outside of ZZs and Leeds now after <laughs> saying that. Which, <laughs> but, uh, but no, no, I, I see what you mean. I, I, mean, I would get poisoned well, yeah. probably for eating in ZZs by my dad. That would be the reason why. But I, uh, I mean, I, I wonder why Russia, the price they are to win the whole thing. I think it could just be Mr Putin's money just moving the market because they are seemingly very short we'll get to that later Joe coming to you now um, first group of games all very exciting where, where are you looking at for the value well, in your intro you talked about a 1-0 win for Russia and I'm going to go completely against that um, you'll notice throughout the course of the show I might talk about some basically some, some outside shots because Perfect. as Sandro said the market does look quite accurate and there's, there's, there's not a great deal that stands out straight away but for one team to win a single game you can get a 13-1 to for Saudi Arabia to beat Russia in the opening game and my faith there is placed more in Russia's ineptitude than actually Saudi Arabia's ability because this is a Russia team that's in a bit of disarray at the moment. Uh, preparations for this tournament have not been good. They had a horrible Confederations Cup. This is a very ageing team who will possibly feel the pressure of being at home. And Saudi Arabia will come here for the first tournament since 2002 with, with nothing to lose, really. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right. And, you know... Considering I'm flying out there on Thursday evening, I really hope you're wrong because I think we might not be as welcome as we once were if Russia do lose the first game to Saudi Arabia. But that 13 to 1, as you say, with black type, and it does seem a big price for a team uh, you know, just to win a game of football against yeah, not a very good team. If you can get 11 to 5 for the Saudi draw, double chance, if, that's a, if you're more of a conservative better, it might be more appealing there. But I think there's, there's definitely a bit of value in betting against Russia in this one just because they've got a very old team. And not much prospect to be honest in this tournament yeah absolutely Ben where are we looking for the first round uh, I'm going to play it a bit safer and I'm liking the look man. of Denmark to beat Peru um, Peru obviously going to be boosted by Paulo Guerrero's availability but Denmark have got such a very a very strong spine to their team I mean you've got a lot of Premier League experience in there and Eriksson Christensen Schmeichel uh, they haven't lost a non-FIFA game since 2016 when they lost 1-0 to Montenegro um, they breeze past Republic of Ireland uh, to make it to the World Cup and it's, it's a safe bet but it'll set you on the front foot going forward uh, early on so I think Denmark's beat Peru Interesting having point. the Spurs fan talking about Christian Eriksen's <laughs> Denmark beating Peru in the first game but that's 16-11 to 11 with Unibet best price if you're asking me which you probably shouldn't do um, I think Spain to beat Portugal at 10 to 11 is a bit of a banker I think this is could be a theme in the podcast where the 13 to 2 available for them just to win the tournament is a big price and I think if that's a big price then nearly even money on them beating a, a Portugal team who didn't win a single game in 90 minutes when they lifted the Euro 2016 looks very very good indeed uh, to me before we, we look at the major markets uh, and the groups in particular, we should touch on England um, because when we're talking about winner and top goal scorer and golden ball, they may not get much of a mention and at the end of the day. Uh, you know, I think most of us are supporting England. But um, go to the man who says he doesn't first in Sandra. I mean, what, firstly, what do you think is going to happen with this England team? And secondly, what success? I and mean, when can, can Gareth Southgate you know, pat himself on the back and say anything from here is a bonus? What's going to happen? I, I'm really, really positive about the England squad and, and the setup, and we were touching on it briefly, weren't we, before we started recording this? I think I think they've got a, a nice balance. Uh, I think they've got a lovely sort of energy about the squad. A group of players who really look like they enjoy being part of the England setup. Something we haven't seen for some period of time. They actually look quite relaxed, and I think things like the media day that they did a few days ago, I think, are a really interesting take by by the FA and by England. They. They seem to be working really hard to, to get the media on side. Um, I, I think 
the, the sort of the, this agenda against Raheem Sterling. The FA have done a really good job of quashing that, and Sterling himself did a really good job of coming out and giving an interview after the uh, after the friendly against Nigeria. I think all of those things are really positive. I think the decision to leave out players like Jack Wiltshire and Joe Hart are also positives because I think Southgate's very mindful of having people in and around the squad that are good influences and, and are good people to be there. And he obviously thought Joe Hart and Wiltshire weren't going to play a lot of football, if any, and maybe felt they were going to be slightly disruptive influences. So all of that makes for a real nice, sort of cohesive team. And um, I think there's huge amounts of talent there. I think the front three of Lingard, Kane and Sterling looks really, really frightening. Yeah. Huge amounts of pace and goals in there. There are questions around the middle of the park, but, but all, all combined, I think that also there's a, there's a bit of sort of humility about the group of players that they know they're not the, one of the front runners. They know they're not the best team in the tournament, but they also know what they need to do to go and beat the better sides in the tournament. So that might be putting 10 men behind the ball against a, a Germany, for example, and playing on the counter-attack. It's something we've seen them do in friendlies, in the build-up to this predominantly against Brazil. Um, so I think they're prepared to do that as well. And, and that, that sort of excites me because it feels like they've, they've just got a little bit more sort of... They're a bit more streetwise out on the pitch. So, so in answer to your question, yeah, I'm positive. I think success would be the quarterfinals. I, th- I think that would be viewed as success, but also to an extent what is expected. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's exactly what I was going to say. There's, there's kind of a feeling that expectations are low this summer, mm. but realistically quarterfinals are the minimum but they're also the maximum because, that's the <laughs> yeah. Point. Yeah. because if you look at the group England you know they should they should get out of that group comfortably and then it I'm going to say it doesn't matter who you play from the next group but the Colombia Japan Senegal and Poland it's, it's quite an even group you're not too fussed to play in that next round uh, but you'd expect to beat either of them so but the thing that you have to say about it is Gareth Southgate has done an impressive job whatever happens this summer you know he's brought up a certain mentality to the group, a certain logic as well by making sure that they're playing a formation that, that the best clubs in England are, all these players are used to basically. You know, you can't suddenly magic up a crop of players who are, who are world beaters. So. But has that not been the case though? In, I think in going into 2010, a lot of people would have said the same about Capello. I think going into the Euros, I think a lot of people would have said the same about Hodgson. But at the end of the day, don't international managers live and die by by how they perform in major tournaments? They do, but I think there was a feeling that in, in 2010 and before that that England had this so-called golden generation of players, experienced players who'd been there and done that in the Premier League. They'd won Champions League, whereas this is, I think it's the third youngest England squad that's ever been to a World Cup. So expectations are lower in that respect. I think, I think there, it's, it's a reasonable expectation if we get to the quarterfinals. And I think generally England fans would be quite happy if, 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 if we put up a good fight in that, in that game. You know, maybe you can beat a Germany. If, if, we've proved in the friendlies, as Sandro said, you, we've got goal, goalless draws against Germany and Brazil proving that you know, there's a, there is a certain level of defensive stability there. And I think that's going to be the platform from which we hopefully build on. That's also quite yeah. key in that Southgate has worked with you know, Loftus-Cheek, Kane, uh, Lingard as well. So he's familiar with all of these players, um, which just boost, obviously boosts the uh, team. They're familiar with a manager who has obviously got a system in place, as Joe said, about uh, which the best teams in England are playing at the moment, which you know, quietly will boost morale ahead of the tournament which is good to see I think I, I, I agree with that I think that point around Southgate having worked with the players previously is probably downplayed as well I think that's part of the reason why they enjoy going to England camps so much because a lot of these lads have played together before they've been part of Southgate's setup, and they did fairly well under Southgate when he was under 21 manager and, and I think all of that leads towards this real positivity I actually think 
we'll find out more about how good this England side are in the opening two games. Uh, the Belgium game, I think, is neither here nor there. I think England can get a result against Belgium. They might beat them. They might get beat. They might get a draw. I don't. But I think if they can go out and have the ability to break down Tunisia and Panama in a way that England sides have struggled to do at major tournaments previously, I think that could be a real good indicator of just how good this England team are and, and how sort of tactically aware they are. You're looking for a, a repeat of that first half against Nigeria, basically, aren't you, where it was, it was dominant. You know, it's a case of how many can England get, not, not whether they were going to win that game. Obviously, there was a little bit of a drop-off, which is a slight concern. I think there's such, a good, there's such a good mentality around this team. The players clearly get on with each other and there's a massive respect for Southgate as well. You know, even his, his handling of the, the Raheem Sterling being late situation, which was awful timing after the, the tabloid nonsense that went before it, but he dealt with it well. He just said, look, you know, he kind of gave him a little scolding, said apologise, and he did, and it's moved on. That's it. It's forgotten. And I think there's, that's, you know, he's really impressive in his work so far. If you're looking at the stage of elimination odds, last 16 is 11-5, same price as quarterfinal, which is also 11-5, which surprises me because I'd have thought the quarterfinal would be favourite given that England will likely get a favourable draw in that second round if they do get through the groups. Uh, semi-final, 11-2, group stage, 13-2, runner-up, 12-1, winner, 18-1. Those are all best prices that you can find on the Odds Checker site. Before we move away from England, um, I just want to look at the for every single uh, team on our site. We have top team goal scorer odds and I think that Kane could be a little bit too short in the, England, in the England one purely I mean he's obviously one of the best goal scorers in the world but he's looked a little bit out of sorts you have to say since the injury and he's 11 or 10 favourite and if you're looking at the other players out there who you know are all very good goal scorers you've got Raheem Sterling at 8 to 1 with some bets you've got Deli Ali at 10 to 1 with Sky Bet um, Jamie Vardy 12 to 1 Jesse Lingard 14 to 1 he looks like he could start as well do we think there's a bit of value in those, in those outsiders? Uh, yeah absolutely especially with Sterling I mean he had two or three good chances against Nigeria, which you know he should have taken. But he still scored 18 goals last season in the Premier League. Um, his finishing's come on immensely under Guardiola. Um, he's going to be playing as the kind of more, most advanced attacker because Kane, as he showed against Nigeria, will drop deep, whereas Sterling will look to occupy the defenders. Um, definitely a lot of value in Sterling, I think. Sterling eights. Anyone else, you guys? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Sterling definitely a huge fan of Raheem Sterling as a player. Um, he just has this ability to get in goal-scoring positions constantly. Doesn't the year his finishing isn't the best, and it can improve, but it has improved as, as you've said, Ben. And, and I think it's, um, I think it's, I think he's an interesting one. I think Lingard is an interesting yeah. one because he's proven the ability to score goals on the big stage, but for, for club and country. Obviously, I think the reason he is the price he is is because there are just question marks around will he definitely start and and how many games will he start? And but I think he'll start. Yes, Southgate right. likes him and, and he's a, he's a great goal scorer. I mean, he's, he's a proven goal scorer. So so at fourteen to one, I think there's far worse bets to be had than that. Given that he's the same price, best price as Rashford. Rashford's shorter in most places, but you'd think that Lingard's now ahead of him in the pecking order. So. Certainly some juice there. Moving away from England now, and that could be the last time, as I, as I said, we may discuss them, unless you're going to mention them now, guys. Um, looking at the group betting, mainly who do we think are the vulnerable favourites here to go out, and who do we think of the, of the minnows, maybe? Joe, coming to you first, who do we think could, uh, could squeak through into the second round? Oh, if you're talking about minnows, well, I'm going to talk about Argentina to start with, as a team that I think could be in a bit of trouble. I mean, yes, you would expect them to get through that group, but... Um, so. You know, you look at their front line and think, you know, wow, I wouldn't like to play against them. <laughs> but in reality, 
only one team scored fewer goals than they did in, in South American qualifying, which is Bolivia, which is crazy when you think about it. But ultimately, they're, they're undermined by a goalkeeper who goes into this tournament who may, doesn't even have a cap yet, or he's played very, very little. Uh, Defence is dodgy, and a midfield that's not great either. So they could be undermined by that. In a, in a what's a tricky group being Croatia, Nigeria, and Iceland, and and just going back quickly to that to the opening game bets, you know Iceland draw no bet is eight to one. Uh, I think that's I think that's a great offer. Yeah, so six to one Argentina are to uh, not to qualify, and Argentina draw no bet just to make sure that we uh, have the right market up, uh, just in case there is better out there for for the guys to be had. Iceland yeah, eight to one uh, draw no bet. That's with Unibet. Um, coming to you next, Ben. Who, who do you think is vulnerable? Who do you think? Which group, group are you looking at for that bit of bit of interest? Uh, I, I can't not focus on Group B. Uh, I think the big game between Portugal and Spain will be crucial. Uh, Portugal kind of you know fluked their way to an extent to the European Championship. They didn't win a game inside 90 minutes. They drew their three group games and got through luckily. And you just get the impression that Lightning can't strike twice. Uh, their centre backs. Uh, well beyond their peak um, and I just I, I feel like if they don't get a result against Spain which will be tough then it, they're in trouble I think yeah, Morocco are 4-1 to one best price to qualify you can get a, just a shade over threes on Portugal to get, to get knocked out early and I, I do agree with you I think they're very very vulnerable indeed Sanjo where are we looking early doors um Obviously, the bookmaker in me wants to get after favourites. So there were two. I completely agree with everything Joe said about Argentina. Yeah. I think I think they're a pretty average side. Um, I can't believe the price they are in the outright. They, they scrape through qualification. Um, they, defensively, they're, they're poor. They, they, San Paoli insists on playing Mascarano as a centre half, and as soon as he comes up against any centre forward bigger than about five foot five, he gets bullied. <laughs> um, so Argentina definitely, and I'd also you know. Being the sort of the punter in me, I'd, I'd probably like chuck a few darts. I like Argentina not to qualify at six to one. Have a go at them to finish bottom at thirty-three to one because we've seen in major tournaments when big nations get off to a bad start and there's a lot of big egos in a dressing room, it can just all of a sudden implode. And we've seen it with France, exactly. who are the other team yep. I want to take on as well are the French. I, I think I always feel with the French, I, I've got question marks around Deschamps, and I just feel they're one training ground spat away from having a huge bust up and based on that and again to your point around Denmark they're in the Denmark group aren't they France mm. and I think Denmark are, are a really really talented side I think it's a tricky group and, and the two that I'd want to take and again France to finish bottom of the group at 33 to 1 I think they're about 11 to 1 10 to 1 not to qualify from the group so those would be two favourites that I'd be quite keen to take on. And France are a very young squad as well who you think that if it becomes a bit too much it could be that team to implode. A young squad but Young talents who are sort of are sort of global superstars getting paid astronomical salaries in the game. Um, you know, I'm thinking Mbappe and Pogba and those guys. And I, and I just wonder, Griezmann, another one. If if things don't start to click, I just wonder how. There's, I think there are a lot of people who want to be top dog in that team, and I'm not sure how Deschamps is going to be able to sort of manage all those all those egos. And I, I just. Yeah, I just have my doubts about them. I think them and Argentina. Just, just continuing in that group, we haven't really spoken about Peru at all yet, but I really like them to qualify 2-1 to one, uh, with Paddy Power. They haven't lost since November 2016. Uh, they've, won, they've won five in a row quite comfortably as well. They've only conceded one goal in those games and scored quite quite regularly as well. They've obviously got Palo Guerrero back. 
and I think they could beat Denmark to that second place and maybe even top the group. But I think I think also the, the thing that's great about the tournaments is if you do have a view about a, a nation that you don't like, there are so many different markets that next, you can find yeah, an yeah. angle on. So, you know, if you don't like France... I mean, I think Australia have been slightly underplayed. As, mm. I don't think they... They're obviously not world beaters, but they will be a very, very difficult side to break down, won't they? And they've sort of... Their approach in qualifying was exactly that, very difficult to break down. And there's also a sort of value to be had in the kind of the dual forecast. So maybe if you go for a Peru-Denmark dual forecast or something like that, if, you, if you're really strong against France. And, and the same applies in the Argentina group. Do you look at, um, do you look at sort of uh, Croatia-Iceland or, or something like that as a, as a dual forecast in that group? I, th- I think, um, yeah, like in answer to your question, the two I'd be getting after are Argentina and France. Understandably so. Uh, you mentioned Peru, Denmark there. That is 16 to 1 with Skybet for that dual forecast. So they finish either order that you're basically just laying France and Australia. Um, for me, I'm looking at that last group, the one that England will face uh, if they do get through the group. And I think that Colombia being priced up as way too short a price favourite there, uh, at 13 to 8 best price to win the group. I think that people are looking back at that, uh, you know, that their performance in favourable conditions in Brazil four years ago. And I think without Hammers, you take Hammers out, there's not much there. And I think Senegal have massively overpriced as well they are five to one with hills to win that group and I think that given a team a Sadio Mane you know a world-class forward up there and Kudibai at the back as well they've got a really important spine and in what looks like the easiest group to me and then you know neither Belgium or England if they do play them in the second round are necessarily that great as well I think they could go further than people expect so that's that's my tuppence but looking at the major markets now I think the the, the, the markets that people like to look at the most, the, the people, the one that people spend most time on. And let's, let's go from the top. Let's look at the winner market and where does the value lie here? I mean, we've got, just going through the prices now, we've got Brazil, best price 9-2, to two, that's with Skybet. Germany, best price 5-1, to one, also with Skybet. Spain, 13-2. to two. France, 13-2. to two. Argentina, 10-1. to one. Belgium, 11-1. to one. England, 20-1. to one. Portugal, 27-1. to one. Then about 33 to 1 bar, that's Uruguay. Guys, unravel it for me. Where are we looking? Uh, I like Spain. Um, I tipped Germany to win in the Who Scored Mag, but I like Spain's price. I like Spain to win. I think their odds are very good, all things considered. Um, they've just got such depth in midfield, and, and up front, they're a bit. Questionable Costas, you know, he's bit, has, has only played half a season. Uh, Aspas, whether he can transfer that excellent season onto the international stage. And Rodrigo as well. It's a, there, there are a couple of question marks on the front line, but it's just that midfield. I mean, Busquets will control things. Got Thiago Silva, Iniesta. Uh, all of them can just pull teams apart. Is there a concern about Lepegri, their manager, not having managed in an international tournament before, and therefore is he the right man to... To get the most out of that group of players, he has a youth. He has a youth. I think there's enough experience in that squad to do it as well. Actually, I'd, I'd completely agree with Spain on there as well, purely for for their defence to start with. You have to go back to Italian '90 for the last winner to concede more than four goals in the tournament. And wow. if I'm looking down at those squads, you're seeing David de Gea in goal, Jordi Alba, Sergio Ramos, Gerard Piquet. You know, you've got players like Nacho Monreal and Cesar Azpilicueta who can't even get in this team. Yeah, Sergio Busquets just in front. Is that not the same unit as the one that conceded five against, against the Dutch? Partially, yeah, but I'd still bat them over a longer time. And, you know, go back to 2010 when they won 1-0 in, in all of their knockout games. Uh, they've still got goals in this team as well. People are saying that, yes, they're a bit light up front, but they've still got Diego Costa, Isco, 
a great midfield. So yeah. much depth in midfield. They, they, could feel, they could feel their second choice midfield and it still be better than most teams out there. Um, they would be my pick. So as I said, 13-2, to two, they are best price for spread expert. As Sandro said, they're 6-1 to one with Skybet. And if you did back them up to a tenner and they were knocked out, you'd get your tenner back. Sandro, where are you looking? I'm going to sound like, it's going to sound like we've all colluded. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get enough of Spain. I think, I think they're exceptional for, for every point the lads have just raised there. And both of them, and forget to mention one player, I think he's going to have an amazing tournament. And that's David Silva. I think he's, um, I, I think, interestingly, the, the goal scoring angle is interesting because they get goals from everywhere without sort of, you wouldn't back Diego Costa with any real confidence in like a top goal scorer market or something. But I would back Isco or David Silva with yeah, huge confidence absolutely. In, in a top goal scorer market. And I think, and then that's not to mention, you know, some of the other players, not to mention Sergio Ramos, who gets his fair share of yeah. goals. So on, based on that, I, I really, really like the Spanish. Um, I, arguably, and I'd probably have them as favourites ahead of Brazil, to be honest. Um, it's funny, people that I've spoken to aren't really back in Spain either, so it's quite funny that the three of us around the table are doing the same. And I think people are getting swept up by the emotion of Brazil because, you know, everyone loves Brazil. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, were, they were astonishing in qualifying, you know, they qualified mm. much earlier than everyone else. Yeah. And they do have a formidable team, but I look at that defence and I think there's definitely dodginess there. You know, Danny Alves is out, I'm not sure they can replace him properly. Marcelo is... Marcelo, <laughs> <laughs> and even Thiago Silva, you know, he's, he's, he's not that formidable force he once was, so I'd be looking at weaknesses in that Brazil team. I mean, I will say, like, if naturally, six to one shots aren't everyone's cup of tea, are they? Or people might like back a six to one shot and then like to have an outsider. Um, I've, I've had a couple of quid on England for the reasons I mentioned earlier, and I've also had a couple of quid on Serbia at a huge price of, you know, 200, 200 to one there, yeah, yeah, 200 or to one. Um, yeah. They're in that Brazil group, interestingly. I, I, I really like the way the team's set up. Um, that, that they qualified fairly well, nothing amazing, but decent enough. Um, but but I, I like Mitrovic. I like I like really like uh, Milinka Savic from Lazio. Um, and I think I think they could surprise a few. I th- I th- are they going to win it? No. But could you get a run for your money and give yourself the chance to cash out and, and nick a profit? Then then yeah. And it's all about value as well. I mean, that's the way to think about it. Trying to try and explain to the lads in the office yesterday. You don't have to think they're going to win for it to be a bet, guys. It's just, if you think it's a, it's a good bet. I mean, I agree with you about Serbia. And I think the one that I really like are Uruguay at 33s. Purely, I mean, four years ago, they were, they were a far superior team to us. And I think they've still got that, that key core to their squad. In Cavani and Suarez up top, they've got, they've got players who will tear apart the weaker teams. And if you look at their route to the quarters, they've got an easy group. The easiest group there is, obviously, because they've been drawn with Russia. And then their second round game, if they do win that group, should be Portugal. And if you're or, maybe, me, or maybe not, maybe not. Or, you know, it's or, or Morocco, yeah, effectively. It's, it's, but I think it's very unlikely they're not going to get to the quarters. And if they're in the quarters, there's no way they're a 33 to shot, 33 to one shot there. So in pure value, and, and as you say, maybe you can green out for for a bit of prof. I think that Uruguay is, is where my money's going to go. Any any more for any more in terms of the outsiders? Do you think there's any other sleepers there who could could surprise a few people? The problem is this year that the, the four strongest teams do look very very powerful and it's difficult to look past them um, in terms of outside value I mean Belgium they're, they're, they're an unknown quantity really aren't they because or are they just an, a known they're, not, they're not a known batch quantity, but yeah. you look at them and think how can you not do well I know. great group great second round game they could beat anyone on the you know, day you know the thing that my biggest concern about Belgium is the manager yeah mm. honest. I, I, as a group of players there's, there's no doubt about their talent is it there's a little bit of the Dutch about them, sort of egos and, and what have you, but 
they seem they seem pretty happy and they score goals for fun, don't they? So, mm. But the manager would be the big concern for me. Because I also felt two years ago at the Euros, they... They, they, they probably weren't as good as they are now, but they were very good and very highly regarded and respected. And again, the manager let them down. They tactically got paid off the part by the Italians in the opening game of the tournament. And then, how and then obviously Garnick. lost to Wales, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. I think mm. it, it, it's, it's very easy to forget just how disliked Mark Wilmot so was doing yeah. that squad. So mm. the fact that they have a manager that they, they at least like, presumably. Well, except for Rajan Anglan. Except for Rajan yeah. Anglan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that was, it was coming in yeah. terms of, you know, he's ne- they've never had that relationship, have they? So mm. Someone was saying to me earlier that I think Martinez, under, uh, Mar- Belgium under Martinez, haven't beaten a top 40 FIFA-ranked side yet. Um, which I think shows some severe weakness given the squad that they've got. I think he made a couple of questionable decisions in his final squad selections. Obviously, there's the Nyangalan uh, issue that was mentioned, but the inclusion of Chadley still irks me because he hasn't played a full 90 minutes since August against Accrington Stanley. He's only played 216 minutes of league action this season. I mean, you can't call upon a player who has featured so little if it irks you imagine how much you must know West Brom <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it highlights that desperation they've got in for a fullback basically because the, the fact that they're even considering using him as a yeah. you know a second choice left back tells you how bad things are was it they omitted actual wing back Jordan Lukaku as well to bring him in which is yeah Jordan Lukaku's had a decent season at Lazio as well hasn't he he's, you know, he's played well in their sort of Europa League run and interesting but I do think that they could probably spank Panama. I think they'll, they'll probably win yeah. their group, won't they, purely well, think, on goal difference or something. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Southgate does in that Belgium game, if it matters, because you mentioned the full-back issues they've got. And if, you know, Carl Walker, I think we've, we've agreed he's going to start on the right-hand side of that three. But I think if, we, if we're playing Belgium, needing a result, you've got to stick him back in that right-wing-back role just to make the most of that of that defensive weakness. You never know. It might suit England not to win the game based on, yeah. based on yeah, how yeah. that... That group G is panning out as well. And then who, who's the good draw in there as well, though? That's the, well, yeah, that's yeah. the question. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's so that's the winner market. I think we can all agree that uh, if you're backing Russia at 40 to 1, you need your head checked, unless you think that there's some kind of a fix going on, in which case, please let me know and I'll get involved. Um, looking now at the, at the golden ball, and there's one, before I ask you guys what you think, there's one player that I want to bring up, I think we should talk about a bit anyway, and that's Andres Iniesta. Um, given that you guys all think that uh, Spain are the bet to win it, surely at 40-1, to 1, given the romance surrounding it, given, given the fact he's going to play there, that has to be a price. You basically you. took the words oh, no. right out of my mouth. <laughs> I meant to host. This is, Andres Iniesta is exactly the type of player who will get the golden ball. It's like when Ryan Giggs got, uh, what was the award? Uh, Sports Fans yeah, of the yeah. Year. Yeah, yeah. It was because of that romance. Mm. And Iniesta, Spain, if, you, if you're basically looking at a team that was going to do well, and a player who's going to play a lot and if you add that romance in I think Eniesta is, is a fantastic player I think that's the first time anyone's mentioned gigs and romance throughout six years but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah you, you agree about any? I, I couldn't agree more I, I always think this market's a really nice market to get a bit of a value bet on if you've got a strong view on a team last at the Euros two years ago I really liked Italy and as a result you could have backed Italy at about 16 20s for the tournament or you could have had Buffon at about 66-1 to one yeah. to be player of the tournament. And there, there are sort of things that just make sense. If a team are going to do well and are going to get to the latter stages of a tournament, then it stands to reason that, you know, like two years ago, Buffon would have been key in that, in this case, Iniesta. Then you sort of tie in this kind of long service award. There's also another interesting angle that um, Mark Langdon at the Racing mm. Post brought up around Adidas's involvement. Um, with FIFA. Alleged, 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 yeah, alleged, yeah. Alleged, well, certainly their, their sponsorship and yeah. work with FIFA, the partnership they have, and you start digging into 
players that wear Adidas boots compared to players that wear Nike boots. I can tell you that Yes wears Nike boots, which is a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's an interesting one. The other one on the Spain theme is David Silva. I, I, I like David Silva as a bet in the Golden Ball as well. Um, but it's, I think this is a re- always a really interesting market because it just there's a few nice little angles that do represent big value. Mm. Silva is 33 to 1. Ben, where are you looking as well? Uh, I'm going to stick with Spain. We're going to go for Isco. He's been arguably Spain's best player over the last 12-18 months he's just been I mean he's great at club level he's great for Real Madrid uh, but for Spain he's just taken his he's been uh, well head and shoulders above all of their players as the best player um, I like his price I think it was 26s 33s 33s yeah now, 33s so. around yeah. um, obviously there's the Iniesta there's the you know emotion around his final big tournament Um but I think Isco is going to be key if they get to the final and eventually win the uh, tournament. An interesting David De Gea at eighty to one as well. If you're thinking about great keepers and you know teams built on defences, could you? I assume Isco would be in the young player of the tournament as well, would he? Yeah, I don't know if there's a currently a market on it, and I'm sure there will be as we get closer to. I've been the... told reliably by one of our traders. Skype it, have a market on it, but there you go. Well, we've got, we've got, I didn't go and check. We've got to make sure we link it up onto our site tomorrow. Then, because I think we're the only ones. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd I love to see what yeah. prices goes for that because I mean, he'd be an absolute shoey, wouldn't he? For, for mm. that, to be honest, yeah, you, yeah, you would think. I know if you, if you like, if you're on the, the Spain train, like we all are, yeah. And if you, I know we're going to talk about the golden boot shortly, but 70 to 1 best price for Isco is, is phenomenal as yeah. well. For a player who scored a hat trick against Argentina recently, I tell you what, if things go wrong, if things go wrong, we're all going to be crying into our Rioja. I mean, I think think two weeks time. For the sake of balance, for people here who who don't fancy Spain, we should talk about a couple of other players. And and at the top of the market, there's no surprise to see Neymar at eight to one, who scored that magnificent goal coming back from injury in in the friendly. Uh, Lionel Messi, the winner from two years ago, four years ago, sorry, possibly undeserved winner, I would say. Um, And then Cristiano Ronaldo at twenty to one. Um, Obviously, given the fact that Portugal. Are um, you know are less likely to get there? So I find this strange, right? So why would you? I don't understand why you back Ronaldo at twenty to one to win the Golden Ball when you could back Portugal at, at twenty five. Same same as Suarez, the thirty three. Yeah, same it's sort of, it, it doesn't really make sense to me because you've you've pretty much got to get to the final, haven't you? I would say to to be within a real serious shout of winning the award, um, and. I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be in a hurry to back Ronaldo. Ronaldo's got to do something pretty amazing, or he's got to go and score nine or ten goals in the tournament and get knocked out in the semis. And I just, it, it seems, it doesn't seem at those prices. That's basically what Diego Forlan had to do to get mm. it last time. You know, he scored phenomenal goals and and lots of them in the last tournament, in 2010, sorry. And that's how he got his. So yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you're not backing Ronaldo in that situation, are you? Back in Portugal, which is. Seems like a silly thing to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking of goals, now it's time to uh, time to talk about the top goal scorer market. Um, we've seen in the last few years, normally, normally it's outsiders who seem to come up chumps here. So I'll go through the top ones anyway. Uh, Lionel Messi is the ten to one favourite. Uh, Neymar twelve to one. We've got Antoine Griezmann at uh, twelve to one. Cristiano Ronaldo best price with Skybet at sixteen to one. Harry Kane seventeen to one. Gabriel Jesus twenty. Timo Werner twenty to one. Romelu Lukaku 21 and then Cavani and Suarez 30s Lewandowski 33s and the rest bigger um, although Thomas Muller the same price 33s are we looking at this top end Sandro are we going to are we going to try and dig for some value down the bottom I generally I generally don't look at the top end of, of these kinds of markets but purely that's more my sort of like my betting style um, I've 
I've had a bit of an interesting bet on Smolov in Russia. A hundred, about hundred and six. You should have sent. I'd, I'd have laid it. You should have sent it to me first. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to him each week is. I think. I think Russia would at least get to the last sixteen. And I think you're now just you're now just talking up with Mr. Putin. Now, so yeah, but I wouldn't sort of be in a hurry to encourage people to do that. But I want to find some kind of angle to get with Russia, and I felt that might be one of the better ones. Um, I do like I do like a, a David Silva at sort of eighties or, or something like that would be a bit for me. Isco, again, to, to your point, uh, Joe, I think Isco's interesting. If you wanted someone at a shorter price, I don't think you could put anybody off either Azard or Lukaku because I do feel it, I think there are a couple of probably only two sides that might be classed as whipping boys in the tournament. You won't agree with me, Joe. I think Saudi Arabia might be whipping boys. Oh, no, they definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> and, this is absolutely a heart overhead decision. It's terrible. And the other ones, I think, are Panama. And I, and, and I just think Belgium have proven they've got plenty of goals in them. So based on that, I think Belgium might dish out a bit of a paste into them and Lukaku or as You fancy Lukaku or Azad to maybe get a few goals in that. So, yeah, so, so I'd say Lukaku at the front of the market... Smolov or one of the Russian, um, one of the Spanish boys at the bottom end of the market. Hazard fifty to one. Uh, interestingly, uh, before I ask you guys, just we haven't really spoken about France too much, and there was one player that caught my eye here, and that's uh, Usman Dembele, who is available at t- one hundred twenty-five to one um, with six place, six places of the Paddies, and he's a player who looks like it's going to start in that really exciting three alongside uh, Mbappe and uh, and Griezmann, uh, a player who who had his injury troubles for uh, for um, Barcelona, but you'd expect. If France are to, you know, I, I know we've been cautious about them already, and so they could go out. But you do expect them, if they are to, to catch fire, to be a pretty pretty explosive team. He could be a very interesting player to, to look out for. No, I agree. If you're looking for value, then someone like that will, will definitely take the fancy. I mean, what you're looking for when you're looking for a golden boot show, you're looking for someone who's definitely going to play. There's there's always a, yeah. a risk of not not doing that. Make sure they're going to play. Favorable fixtures in the group because all it takes is is one game. Look at Oleg Solenko in 1994. Yes, he won the golden boot on one game. Uh, and then so a team that's going to get far so if you combine all of those things then yeah Dembele's got a shout um, I've obviously already mentioned Isco uh, I, I have actually put my money where my mouth is on Timo Werner um, nice purely because I was about to say we haven't mentioned the defending no, champions no, 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 no. I mean the problem with Germany is that in, in re- um, Joachim Löw has, has, has experimented in recent weeks so we're not 100% sure that Timo Werner will play but I think he will because it's, if it's a choice between him or Mario Gomez, you would expect Werner to get the nod. You know, he's more mobile. We should be able to pull apart defences in the group. Um, he's got a good goal-scoring pedigree. He's got a good record for Germany so far. He should play. Uh, Germany should go far. So I think on that evidence, I, I, I quite like Timo Werner. And also Gabriel Jesus is, is another one. Um, slightly more dodgy. I'm, I'm trying to avoid teams where there could be a bit of a split between goals. Yeah. Um, obviously Neymar is the man for Brazil mm. and they play to his strengths but again we need his one game and, and Brazil have got quite a favourable group and at, and at 20 to 1 um, with I think Unibet at the best yeah, price both those to two, yeah. um, I'd, I'd be keen on him as well Unibet 20 to 1 but no each trade terms there spread X 20 to 1 on Gabriel Jesus and you get quarter of the four with them uh, Ben where, where are you looking? Um, Going to stick with Germany and I do like Thomas Muller mm. uh, he scored five goals at 2014 he's got ten World Cup final goals and if he can just get a good run of form he obviously pops up at the right place at the right time is what he does best um, I mean he's not going to play as a number nine like he did four years ago uh, he's likely to come off from the right in that four-two-three-one. but he just it's just that knack for just scoring 
yeah. and just being there to score. And he seems to love playing with Mesut Ozil as well. I mean, yeah. Who wouldn't? But that seems to bring the best out of him. For <laughs> he, can, he can become the first player to score five goals at three different World Cups as well. So there's a little bit of a record on the line for him. Mm. Um, I also like Cavani as well. Um, the easy group. Uh, he scored more goals than any other player in South American qualifying. He got 10 goals there. He comes off a good season. He scored four in his last five for Uruguay. Um, as you said, you just need one game to you know, score a hat-trick. He's got Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Russia. Should score against all three of those, theoretically speaking. Um, and he's, you know, he's priced up well. I like the look of Cavani. Cavani is yeah, 33 to 1. Um, before we move on, and we're getting towards the end now, and at the end I'm going to ask you all for your, for your best bet of the, of the World Cup. If you can have one bet, what would it be? I'm just going to bring to your attention one more that I've only just spotted, but I think could be worth a few quid, and that's, sorry West Ham fans, Javier Hernandez at 151. Going what you were saying about you know, being assured of a starting place, I mean, his only job in this World Cup is going to be, is going to, be to, uh, to score goals, and, and a Mexico a team who, you know, who I think a few people fancy to, to maybe outrun their odds. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mexico were really good in qualifying. You know, they they absolutely smashed that USA out of the park, basically. Um, if you're asking me for my for my one one bet, yeah, okay, it's it's a bit of a ludicrous one. Yes. So <laughs> I, I don't know. There's a, I've got a real thing about Sweden, and I don't good, think they're good very good. I don't think they're very good. Right. So you can get a 33 to one for them to to be the lowest scoring team at, at the tournament, and I think they've got a pretty tough group. Uh, if you look at their their recent recent results they're not good at all so there's a 0-0 draw with Denmark 1-0 defeat to Romania uh, a 2-1 defeat to someone who I can't even read my own writing there. they're that bad <laughs> they, exactly 1-1 <laughs> draw with Estonia 0-0 draw with Italy and obviously they beat them in the playoff but I just don't think there's that many goals in that team and I think I, I wouldn't be looking at them to do very well so 33-1 to low scoring team it's, a, it's definitely an outside bet but I do quite like it I think it's an absolute cracker you know on that theme it, this isn't my best bet it's just She's somebody else's best bet. Um, Trudy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you've just got to listen to the people that really know what they're talking about. <laughs> Portugal lowest scoring team at 100 to 1. Um, the chances are with that market, it ends up being a dead heat. It's, yeah, you're basically but, looking for a team just uh, uh, to not score. Yeah, you? absolutely. Yeah. So, so you, if you're of the opinion that Portugal aren't, aren't any good, and quite, quite a lot of people are, you expect them to get beaten in the first game. They then play Iran and Morocco, don't they? I think they're the other two teams in the group. Iran and Morocco combined hmm. in their 16 qualifying matches only conceded two goals, didn't they? Morocco didn't concede a goal in qualification and Iran conceded two in ten, I think. So based on that, um, they're going to be really tough teams to play against. I think the nil-nil in the, the Morocco-Iran game is like five to one, something like that. That's, that's unbelievably short for a goalless draw. On, on that premise, and if you don't like Portugal, then why wouldn't you have a couple of quid on a 100 to one shot? It might be a dead heat with, with one or two other teams, but... 50s or 33s, I think you still take that. Yeah, well, for those, I mean, I've sold their goals and the spreads for those who like spread betting at six, which seems very high for a team who, you know, they could even get to semi-finals and not score six, really, Portugal. <laughs> so, um, Ben, coming to you next, what's, what's the best bet, the one, the nap? Uh, I'm liking Morocco to be the top African team. Uh, okay. Senegal and Egypt are the favourites, but I think it's nines, eight or nines, I think Morocco Just are to... now. Morocco are seven or one. They're, they're yeah. Brilliant odds. I mean, they if they can get a result in the first game against Iran, capitalise on any slip-up between Portugal and Spain, they have a very good chance of going through. Um, and then they do, they're likely to play Uruguay, but Uruguay have a tendency, well, apart from 2010, but you know, last year they went out quite early. Uh, Morocco will look to frustrate players, as Sandro said, they conceded, they didn't concede a goal in qualifying. Um, they have 
very good, you know, experienced players in Banatia and Zayic, uh, and I, th- I just like the look of them to be the top African team. Yeah, I'm going to make a fool of myself if I'm wrong about this, but I think they were beaten in 17 games, Morocco, which is a pretty astonishing record for, for going into a World Cup. I mean, I think that's a really nice bet that is as well, Ben, because chances are there might only be one other team that make it to the second, one other African team that make it to the second round. So again, you're a chance of having a dead heat and getting paid out. You know, if, if Senegal, if you like Senegal, you might end up with Senegal and Morocco both qualifying. And mm-hmm. you might, you know. So I think that's an interesting. That yeah, Morocco unbeaten since uh, the 10th of June 2017. So coming up to their one year anniversary. But also got a, a, lot of, a lot of games in there. Her Arden charge as well, and yeah, you know, always, he's uh, obviously famous around the African Cup of Nations. He's the only manager to win it twice. So. I do like them. Famous around Cambridge like as well after his managerial stint there about yeah, 10 years ago. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Sanjo, what's yours? Uh, I, I like Building Jap- a Yankee here. Japan's finished bottom of their group. Yeah. Um, I, I think they've had a managerial change recently that they, they've been poor and qualified. I think it's a, that group fascinates me and I had an argument with somebody in the office earlier who said, oh, you wouldn't watch that and I think it was like the Columbia, it was Columbia Poland or something, Senegal Poland that night <laughs> and these, games, these are the games that fascinate me about World Cups. That group's fascinating it's two out of three, isn't it, for me, from Colombia, Senegal and Poland. Sadly, I think Japan are really going to struggle. They have had a hopeless run going into this tournament as well. They've lost to Ghana, Ukraine and South Korea and drawn with Mali in the last four games. I mean, that, <laughs> that's terrible preparation. Mm-hmm. You're not, like I say, you're not going to get rich. I think it's about, what was it, like five? 11 or 8, best friends. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to be, uh, become a millionaire, but you've got, nice call, you've got 33 to 1 shots. Well, if you, you want to become a millionaire, because mine is, if I only could have one bet for the whole World Cup, it would be Iniesta to win the Golden Ball, because not only is it cracking value, but also what a moment it would be if he, yeah, if he did get it, and it's a good one to keep you going throughout the whole tournament. The Yankee, or the fourfold, I should say, best price is, uh, is with Betway, um, and that is 20,808 to 1. So Brilliant. I think Retire. between us, we have, to, uh, we, we have to have a one-pound Yankee on that just to make sure. Because if that wins, and I, I send you guys an email saying, are you on? I can't, <laughs> wait, I can't wait to receive a message from Alan Alger saying yeah. uh, we've got a liability yeah. of about 20 million. <laughs> Thanks to you guys. Perfect. Um, cheers, guys, for coming on. I mean, I can't recommend um, you know, re- reading all the stuff that 442 put out, making sure you keep up to date with all the stats and all the content coming out of Who Scored and, and obviously, you know, punting with, with Skybet as ever um, make sure you look at the odds checker site as well um, you know we've got everything on site all the markets you need all the best prices out there as well uh, we'll be back for an update on this uh, with a very special guest after the group stages but in the meantime hopefully this is profitable and fingers crossed that England uh, will justify our, our optimism 